to the Making Laps Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Making Laps Podcast. I am your host, Brent Gleason. Alongside me is my brother, Jesse Gleason. Hello. And on the line with us from Florida is Phil. Where are you? Damn it. Stop. This will never get old. I swear to God. It never gets old. <laughs> Sorry. Florida man here. Florida man here. Have you started your own meth lab yet? No, not yet. I've I been, thought that uh, planning though. I thought that was a requirement for moving to Florida was to start your own meth lab. No, because if you move to Alaska, you get like a certain amount of money from the government for like oil subsidies or something. I thought in Florida, when you buy a house or become a, a resident, they give you the ingredients to start a meth lab. Like they give you cough syrup and like vials and shit. That, you picked that up at the Welcome Center on your way in. Oh, well, did you miss it on your way in, or were they closed? Well, they just hand out to everybody closed. between the old people and the, you know. Oh, so you missed out. Okay. Well, no breaking bad for you. All right, so this week we have quite a bit to talk about, a lot of coverage of uh, controversy. Uh, I actually am going to be bringing back the rant. Yay! I know everybody just turned off the podcast because I said that. <laughs> I think be I got it. I think I got really poor reviews on that, but you know what? Screw you. I'm bringing it back. Um, this past week, I actually did race again uh, two weeks in a row, which is a record for us because uh, we haven't done you that in a long spin. time. And I didn't get spun out this time. Uh, let's see. Where did I start? I think I started like – oh, wait. I should go through the whole day because the day was kind of ridiculous. Um, again, we tried a new setup in the car because I'm trying to build a notebook and – uh, we got out and I did some practice and the car felt okay, but the brakes are kind of iffy and I brought, the, you know, brought it back in. I didn't really fix it more than I did some adjustments and changed the jet because I thought I knew better than the guy who built the carburetor. And obviously I don't. So I put the jets back in it that it came with. Yeah. My carburetor. Yeah. So I, I, I put it back to where I got it from and we threw like four rounds of wedge in the thing and sent it back out and, uh. I think in a heat race, it didn't really go anywhere. I don't know what was up with the track, but we just, there was no passing going on in our division all day. Uh, it's not like they had any special events or anything. It was just, I don't know, it just didn't have, it lacked grip. I don't know what it was, but I came back from the heat race and I'm like, man, this pedal feels garbage. Like the brake pedal is spongy. It's not working. Like I can't slow down as well as I want. I have to pump the brakes on the straightaway, which is not a great idea because it just distracts you from your line and you can't drive very well. So I brought the car in, and my uncle was there with me, helping me out before Jesse could get there after work. And I had him jump in the car, and I bled the brakes from the outside while he pushed the pedal. And we could get fluid to come out the front, but whenever he tried to pump the brakes to get pressure, there was no pedal. And I'm like, okay, well, we all know what's going on here. The master's bad. So we tried our best, and I'm like, well, I think I have a spare master with me, but how long would it take me to put that in and bench bleed it and we would miss the feature honestly i mean if you're if you're trying to change a master and everything you're you might as well just because they run the show so fast and when they run the heat races for the street stocks they run us like third and then they run us first for features so there's like zero turnaround time and i'm like you know what we'll just bleed it we'll try it we'll live with it and living with it was not something <laughs> that i could really do in the feature I think I started 13th, which was one spot worse than what I started last week, even though I had a ninth place finish in my handicap instead of a first and a half and a first and a half and a first and a half. But anyway, um, I at least I got to start on the bottom. But yeah, brakes, not good. Really not good. Uh, I Again, I made up a few spots on the bottom. I made sure not to run anybody over. Uh, which we'll get to that in a minute. That's a little foreshadowing. But I just kind of rode. I picked them off. I said, you know what? I'll focus more on how the car's handling than how the brakes work. We went, I think, over 10 laps in the race with no cautions, 
which is, I think, halfway or over halfway. But then they started getting cautions, and I'm like, good, maybe my brakes will cool off. That that made no difference whatsoever. It, <laughs> it was no different. Because, again, if you got a bad master or a bad line or something, cooling the brakes is not going to fix the pressure issue because it's not the right problem. Whatever. You get what I'm saying. So we get going again. I, luckily... I was good on the top side. I managed to maintain my position and fight off whoever was on the inside of me. And main, I think I was hovering around like 8th or ninth. Like I said, nobody was moving. If you look at the results of the race, not a lot of cars moved forward. And especially like halfway. I wish we had race monitors so we could check lap to lap where people were running and our lap times and stuff. But oh well. I'll never know why they don't do that. Every other division gets race monitor, but the street stocks, I mean, all they have to do is just say, hey, you know, just throw a transponder in and we'll let a computer do it. But no, they want to hand score one division only. It's like, well, that doesn't make sense. I already have a transponder in the car, so it doesn't affect me at all. None of this applies to me, so I don't care. (laughs) So it's kind of selfish, but I don't care. But again, we really just didn't have a lot of grip out there and i don't really know why again it was just a regular weekly show there was nothing special going on um nobody's really making a lot of passes but man with two to go it really opened up like everybody unplugged their brain it was crazy out there um two to go i remember i think i pooched somebody in the back bumper taking the popsicle sticks under the flag because they just accordion effect in front of me did we have a restart right then, Jess? Was yeah, there green, was white a checker? restart with, yeah, it was like a three-to-go thing situation. I think, yeah, it was a green-white checker or something. Yeah. And luckily, I was starting on the bottom for these. <laughs> I lucked out on most of these restarts. Um, again, big brake issues. It, it felt like I was driving around with uh, rear brakes only. But luckily, I know how to control my car, not wheel hop and drive into people. But... Um, Again, crazy last couple laps. Should we just jump right into the elephant in the room on this one? You might as well. I'm already on that path. We might as well just go there. Pretty friggin' dumb, so. All right, Phil, I'm going down that road. I'm already here. We're already here. We might as well see the sights, right? Um, So on the last corner of the last lap, okay, let's just go through the last lap first. We've got Megan Fuller is ahead of Zach Robinson on the racetrack. I was watching them from behind. I'm about eighth, ninth place again, like I said. And I didn't see those two really even come close to roughing each other up at all. Like, I saw, I didn't see anything. Jesse, you might have had a better vantage point than I did. No. I didn't see anything. No, I didn't see a damn thing. And and she went by him. I mean, there may be some side contact, but that's That's, normal for Stafford. That's so expected. Or anywhere. I mean, especially, you know, with the bottom being as valuable of real estate as you can possibly get. Yeah, it's funny. Is I never knew how bad the top side at Stafford actually was until you get out there and you get in the top side, and, oh, my God, it's like racing in marbles. It's crazy yeah, on the top side. Who knows if they cleaned it last week. We haven't gotten any rain, you know, from last week. Well, I'm sure so they do. Blo- I know they a- blow it off, but, man, I mean, the grip level up there is just really not that, good. Yeah, there's also, there's also uh, dew from... The cold nights also. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty cold, and I mean, if, if you're not good. putting heat on that part, but here's then it's the not thing. All right, whatever. let's jump into that sucker. So it, anyway, white flag going into three. Dude just comes in out of nowhere and pile drives her hard, like no brakes, just drives right from into her. two car lengths back. We're talking for what position? F- for second. Who was in the lead? Did, did it was uh, Frank was in the lead? Frank took the lead. Frank was in the lead. Let's say his full name: Frank Letwall Jr., yeah, two-time Darestock or Street Stock champion. Yeah, and Hell of a kid. I like Drew's the guy. Yeah, He's driver. a nice guy. Yeah, it's not Frank Letwell, like um, my my favorite announcer, Matt Buckley, likes to say. I did. I did say it right. Correct. Yes, you did. Letwell. Okay. Letwell. Frank Letwell. Yeah, it's okay. French. I try, Frank. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's French for the twat. No, it's not. <laughs> Great. No, now it's I'm going to get a DM from Frank. No, we love Frank. Him. He's all right. He's good. He's all right. Well, but anyway, that's yeah. That's what you get for not being Smith or Jones. <laughs> yeah, Frenchy. So anyway, um, Brandon Michael, who everybody had sympathy for, who got wrecked head on into the Widowmaker on the backstretch a couple weeks ago, 
I don't know what was going on there. We could speculate eight days from Sunday, but I mean, there's no, there's no. When he went into turn three, there was absolutely he was two car lengths back. No brakes locked up. The rear brakes didn't lock up. The fronts didn't either. So it just he just went straight at the bumper and just didn't brake hard enough or something. I mean, when you, it's it's just stupid because. You can't make that kind of mistake, number one, with titles being on the line. But when you have won races, all right, you're good enough to win races. And you come out of East Nowhere and not have that kind of car control. Go, Oops, I'm sorry. I, I made a mistake. There's how, no excuse for it. How do you not have that kind of car control but still win races at Stafford? You should be way better than that. I know it's a mistake. Uh, yeah, maybe it's a mistake. I'm, I know you're probably sorry. I'm pretty sure Zach didn't pay you to do it. <laughs> you know, they, uh, they actually had a falling out multiple weeks prior. So I know for a fact that Zach didn't pay him to do it. Right. And you, you can't, you can't just have that little bit of car control and, and win and be able to winning race driver as well. If you you've been, if you win races and you can't be trusted at any point, never mind the most important point of the season to not over, let the car get away from you and overdrive the car like that. You either need to start from the back until you can win a race again, start dead last every race until you win again, or just give it up. You have to. You can't do that. You just give up. I'm sorry. Uh, I've I've raced with with Brandon, and when when I ran there at Stafford in 2017, the only person I was worried about racing against was him. Yeah, I mean I. I'd only had a couple races, but I, I only experienced racing against him once, but it was such a short amount of time that I didn't get to know anything. But Does he have that little bit of car control consistently because I'm relatively new to this? He's actually a, usually a pretty good driver overall, but he has a switch. And when that switch flips, uh, kind of like some guys we've seen at Thompson. Lots of guys. They, Yes. Just yeah, they just didn't think, and I think he was trying to get too much because he he clearly had the fastest car all night. He well, he was also up. out front all night because he started on the pin. Well, I mean, it's there, still it's a really good car. It's a really fast car. Yeah, he had the lead for a long time until very late in the race. So, yep. I mean, and he he stepped on his dick, gave the lead away. And I think he was trying way too hard there at the end. And maybe he made a mistake. I'll, I'll play devil's advocate on it because everybody's trying to say it was intentional. But maybe he made a mistake. But for someone that's been racing as long as him, one, I think he's won like six or seven races total in his career, which is nothing to shake your head at. But yeah. when you have that kind of experience and success – you don't make stupid mistakes like that, and that was a fucking stupid mistake. I mean, you got to think about it this way. If you've been racing long enough and you know that you made a mistake and you cost yourself the lead, you got to remember that you're not going to make up three or four car lengths in one goddamn corner. Like you can't for a second. You can't, <laughs> you're not going to be able to redeem yourself that much in the end of the race. you got to take your lumps. I yeah. mean, you're not going to make up two positions in the final corner when you're that far back either. Again, you have to understand when you're beaten and you have to take your lumps when necessary, you yeah. know? And I mean, yeah. And, and Frank was, you know, had several car links on Meg too. Yeah. Frank so, pulled out. So it's not even like it was for the lead. It was for a second, you know, who's to say, I mean, she really didn't even have to really pass Zach Robinson. She could have points raced the whole night, but still, you know, we don't want to go into victim blaming or anything, but that's not what she's about, you know. And, she did nothing wrong at know? all. What she did was I mean, actually smart. She didn't take herself out of her own rhythm. Yeah. If you start removing yourself from what you normally do, yeah. then you start making mistakes. She raced how she normally raced. She made the same moves as every time she's raced this year, yeah. and she stayed on rhythm. If, like I said, if you're trying to do something completely different than what you're normally doing, that's when you start making mistakes, putting yourself in trouble, and having a bad night. She just didn't do that. 
she ran her race, and she was doing just fine until the last corner. I'll tell you what. Let me tell you something. <laughs> we were we were walking by, you know, on the way to your pit, and Uncle Mark and I. I'll tell you what. She looked like she aged like five years, just in that one corner, because five, at uh, five to ten, ten years anyway. Because <laughs> I mean, just a look on her face, you could you'd write a story about. Just looked like she lost ten years of her life on that. And I don't really blame her. You know. Well, I I can't even imagine. You know, it's it's probably the most crushing defeat you're ever going to face in your racing career is being literally one step of the gas pedal away from winning a championship. Not a race, a championship, and having it taken away from you by somebody who's not even in the picture. Yeah, you know I think I mean? he finished 16th in points. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, Dude, I think I finished like 19th, and I ran like three races. And so... <laughs> And I'll tell you something else. No, you maybe know, 25th. I don't remember. Good for, um, it's good for her to take the high road. She really did, was kind of a class act about her when she really didn't have to be. But when you're when you're young and your future is that bright, she can kind of afford a little bit to, to have, you know, take the high road because you know that the victories and the wins and even possibly championships are going to keep coming her way. Mm-hmm. She's not done winning. She's not done for points titles, no matter what division she'll be in. But yeah, if it was an older driver, you could have probably seen a lot different. If it was somebody old and jaded like myself or, or Brent or whatever, never know when your your race is going to be the last. I haven't won a race since 2017, the icebreaker. Never know when your last race is going to be. So she can, she can uh, be classy about it, and you know more is going to be coming to her way. Well, here's the thing about being classy. You're going to get mm-hmm. a lot more opportunity and a lot more respect and a lot more... Uh, people in your corner, a lot more support by being classy and by taking the high road. If you're one of these, and I know the type, and I'm not going to name names, and I've seen I've seen them lately, like within the last few weeks, where they badmouth a sponsor or they badmouth people on their pit, or if they're going to just act like a complete asshole all the time, and they lose opportunities and they run like shit. So, oh come on, you don't want to call him out? No, I don't want to call anybody out. Because there's this, it's not the person; it's the lesson that matters. I know. It being taking the high road on everything will gain you so much more respect. Like I am, I'm unfortunate that I have actually suffered a disqualification from a feature win, which was actually the biggest win of my life. And I could have gone down the road of saying, "Well, you know," and publicly. You know, what I say privately is completely different because that's private. But what I say publicly, I say, you know what? I accept this. The tech staff did their job. I should have been more vigilant. This, that, and the other thing. And you sh- you would not believe the outpouring of support from people who actually, they're not going to sit there and call me a whiny cheater. They're saying, you know what? That was cool. You took it on the chin. That's great. You know, I had people from the track texting me and saying, dude, I hate it, but you know what? You did it the right way. And you know what? I, I gained a lot of really good graces and a lot of good support from that. What you mean? You mean you couldn't be, you know, quote unquote, trying something? Couldn't work out a deal with the tech staff? Say, oh, uh, uh, we're just trying something this week. That's to hear about when other people get caught for cheating. But anyway, I digress. I'm bitter. I, I will say, though, the uh, the way Meg handled that is a direct reflection on Rick and how he has brought her up, and Jimmy, too, to a lot. Uh, just the way they've taught her and the way they've brought her into this sport. They've done a really good job with her, and she's turned into an outstanding driver. And I, I like you said, this is not going to be the last shot she has at a title, it won't be the last chance she had to win a race. She's got a lot more in her and a very, very bright future. But anyway, we know that she's going to probably migrate up to like an SK Light style division. And look at the support network that's going to be around her for that jump. She has Jimmy Fuller and Rick Fuller. I mean, obviously they're her you know, dad and uncle. But just those names alone, if I had an SK Light, I'd be like, please help me. <laughs> because it's like, wow, that's a great support network, especially with Jimmy and and everything that's behind him and what he works with and stuff. Holy crap. So 
I don't think you can have two greater people to have behind you at the same time. Especially with if they're going to a modified, like an SK Lite. Jeez, I mean, she might be pretty competitive right out of the gate if they can get her up into that. Hey, I, I agree. I have heard from multiple people that she will be in an SK Lite next year. Well, I know that she'll probably have a lot of support and sponsorship coming her way, but hit yeah. the streets with them with them packets and let's get some money going. I, I don't have a dad anymore. Can can he adopt me? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> We're too old. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what? Uh, while we're on Stafford, okay, uh, we might as well go through what what their results actually were. How about beverage? I've got one. I'm good. Okay, good. So you need another beer? Okay, good. We'll mail him a beer. Uh, so you got anyway, Jack I'll take some of that. What's that? I said, if you got some Jack Daniels, I'll take some of that. No, I don't have any of that stuff. Ugh. That's for bitter old people. I guess I'm bitter or, and old. Or bikers who chew tobacco. Um, so anyway, street stocks. Frank Letzwald Jr. One, we've already mentioned that. and We mentioned the controversy with Brandon Michael and how much I sucked because my brakes didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but I got them fixed, and I'm thinking about going back on the 24th to go run that race just because yeah. I don't want to leave something broken and not fix it before I put the cover over it. Makes sense. You shouldn't have let Larry Barnett touch your brake system. I know, right? He's just he's doing it through uh Love you, Larry. <laughs> Love you. Okay, so late models was a show. Ryan Fern and Tommy Fern came down to the absolute wire. Like I think um Ryan started three thousandths of a second. Yeah, three one thousandths of a second. Ryan got him just coming out of the last corner. And I don't know what the bigger story is, a, a finish that close or Tom Fern actually going winless in 2020. Hey, all the Ferns that have won a race, raise your hand. Not so fast, Tommy. <laughs> Jesus don't, Christ. don't forget, too, that Ryan Fern got uh, parked in the heat race for aggressive driving and had to start last in the feature. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought he started in the back. Yeah, that's crazy. Yep. Now, speaking of starting in the back, <laughs> SK Lights, John Puglio huh. won, but he got, what, turned around on the front stretch very early, like lap two, and he had to come from the back there, but he came from the back like he was on fire. I mean, that car, he was passing people inside, outside, up up over top of I don't know just anywhere if he could yeah. if he could make a pass he was doing it and yeah. that was just impressive was, to was, watch. Yeah, it was like a um, it was like a hold on I got something for this. Hold on. Anytime. Yes. Yeah, okay. Somebody cue up the Jeopardy music, please. Oh yeah, it, it's like an Italian you know at an all you can eat buffet just getting it. Boo. <laughs> Boo, that joke. That was what we just waited for? Yes, it was. That was what we waited for, yeah. I just wanted to use my car crash soundboard. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> Eddie Puglio and that whole Mr. Rooter team really has that car flying right now. That, and JP is one hell of a driver. He's, uh, he's really impressive to watch. Yeah, we were sitting up in the stands and watching Eddie and... Uh, uh, what's his name? Vinny Beetle, Mr. Rooter. We were watching them down at the gate, and they were losing their minds. I mean, it was it was entertaining to watch those two. They were psyched. All right. Limited late models. What was that? What was that sound? I have no idea. I didn't touch anything. I think Phil dropped his phone. Nope. Oh, okay. Still sitting good. here next to my head. All right. We're getting feedback from. Yeah, Phil. I'm still getting wicked feedback from Phil. I'm still I'm I'm hearing myself echo over your phone. Yeah, that's better. Pause for uh, technical difficulties. Pause for identification. Okay. So limited late models. Alexander Fern won. And Andrew Durand, who was leading the points by two, finished second. So if you do the short track math, that ended in a tie. But since Andrew Durand won more races, that went to the tiebreaker. He got the most wins, so he ends up the champion. And he's the one who can do donuts at the end of the race. Correct. Good for him. 
Yeah. I, I believe, but I may be mistaken, that this is uh, Andrew Duran's first season back in a little while, too. Yeah, he took some time off. He took a few years off, I've heard. And he came back, and he's just on fire. Just, like, yeah. picked right up where he left off. Right out of the gate, had his shit together, looked awesome. Yeah. Now, I didn't write down who won the SK race in my notes, but I'm pretty sure it was Keith Rocco. Yep. Uh, yes. Yes. Because I know he said he wanted to win the title and the championship on the same night, but he took this as a consolation prize, and that's a pretty good consolation prize to take, honestly. What's what's his win total at? Have you uh, I didn't calculated actually, that? I didn't actually look at his win total yet. I just heard he was third all-time at Stafford. He's closing in on Woody. I think it's 74 now. It's like, yeah, 70-something, 70 70-something. 70 it's like... Who has the most? Ted Christopher? Teddy with like 100 Teddy or something. Teddy has the most. Yeah, Woody has Woody 78. Has second. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Keith is up to 74. I'm not yeah. sure, but that's closing in. He's closing in on him. That's impressive. Knock the 70 off and you got my win total. Just at one track. <laughs> I'd be happy to win seven. <laughs> hey, I was happy to win one. I'm fine with it. So <laughs> whatever. All right. So Stafford is back in action on... Uh, October 24th, it's a Saturday. They have their, uh, I think it's Lincoln Tech 80 open modified race. Uh, they've been having some really excellent shows with that, and car counts have been very good. Um, think of it as like a, tr- oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. This is actually a tri-track race. Yes, it is. It is a tri-track race. The, fir- the first tri-track race on a track bigger than three-eighths of a mile. Really? I thought they had tri-track races at Staff- or Thompson. Or was yeah. that MRS races? MRS. Oh, okay. track has not run any of the big tracks yet. Really? Well, yeah, well, they get yep. confused. There's a lot of them, you know. Yeah, I know. There's so <laughs> many of them. It's like, uh, anyway. I think as of Thursday, they had 37 cars pre-registered already. That's pretty great. That is really That's good. Impressive. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see 50 cars in the pits. Yeah, I mean, I think I saw something today that said the count was up over 40. So I'll keep you posted God. on that one. Um, That's awesome. But I'll I've heard that, that I've heard that Gary Casella, the owner of the 25 car, open modified, he's going to field two cars at the Stafford Tri Track race, and he's going to have none other than Doug Kobe and Justin Bonsignor driving. Now Kobe had the response of the year with his tweet poking fun at Bonsignor, who has yet to win at Stafford Motor Speedway, and I believe I have his tweet right here, and it reads. Yes, between us, we have 30 Stafford wins, two track championships, and 12 modified tour wins. Pretty stout. And, of course, anybody who follows it knows that those are all of Doug's stats at Stafford. (laughs) (laughs) He's a beast on social media. He's hilarious. They're they're all hilarious, honestly. So I think that's all I got. uh, His thumb issue won't uh, hinder him, though. He's got a little thumb issue? Oh, he hurt himself when he hit the wall? he got some stitches from the wreck yesterday. Oh, that's weird. Nah, he'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, he drives one-handed anyway. Yeah. Very just, true. I forgot about that. Yeah. He'll just switch hands. So hard to do. I can't drive one-handed. Switch hitter? Yeah. I don't know how he does it, but that's pretty impressive, you know? I can't drive one-handed. I don't know what it Imagine is. That's if he used two hands. Weird. Damn. He'd probably screw up more. He's probably used to not doing that. All right, so I think that's all I have for Stafford right now. Uh, why don't we go into some World Series results? And let's be honest... I guarantee you I forgot a race because I counted 16 and I don't even know how many. I mean, you don't have to mention <laughs> all of them, were. you know. Well, I'm not going to talk mean, about all of them. I'm just going to give people some yeah. credit and then just move on. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple notes that I do want to touch on. but um, So World Re- World Series at Thompson, I guess they had like 358 cars show up. Yeah, they had, like that, yeah. yeah, it was quite a busy place. That's a good number. That's not too bad, yeah. especially for them Con- throwing Considering, it yeah. Street stocks are... Uh, what the hell me. was that? Uh, <laughs> uh, motor trend. Not on mute. Committing the cardinal yeah. sin again. Well, what are you going to do? So anyway, World Series results of what I have. Mini stocks. Jared Roy won. Street stock open race. Christopher Buford. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Won. 350 Supers. I don't remember them ever having 350 Supers at the uh, World Series. But this Bob, is the first time I know of. Yeah, Bobby Timmons won that. Uh, the trucks... Hey, Bobo! What's that? Nothing. Forget it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, hey, Bobo! Uh, let's see. Basket. 
Exit Realty Truck Series, Ryan Van Ass won. Uh, late model 50 lap race. Now, this one was fun because Woody Pitcat won that race, but they had a bunch of money put into it for lap bonus, and they also had, um, I think it was 2000 to win. So Woody pocketed 4800 bucks for that win for a 50-lap race for late models. That's pretty damn good. Got to give Brian Tag a lot of credit for organizing all that, too. He, uh, he and a bunch of guys put that all together to get that money together, and that mm-hmm. was uh, pretty damn cool of them. Yeah, I, I knew Brian was behind it, but, yeah. or behind some of it, but I don't know all the... I wish I had all the names so I could give them all proper credit, but kudos to all yeah. you guys, whoever put it together. Yeah, that's uh, quite that's a big hit. Yeah, that's the quite unfortunate a irony of the whole thing, though, is that Brian Tag got junked in the heat race and didn't even get to run the feature. Yeah. Which is sad. I mean, he should be able to at least try. But anyway. That's Nemas. It. John Zyke won the Nema race. Uh, Randy Cabral won the Nema light race. Northeast Mini Stock Tour. Desmond Skillings won. Open Modifieds. Here's a good story. Mike Christopher Jr. put the Tommy Baldwin uh, Tommy Baldwin Jr.'s 7NY in victory lane at the track that took his father's life. It's the same number his father ran, and I heard that it was the first win at Thompson for the 7NY. Yeah. So that's really cool. Junior finally got the monkey off his back at that track and actually kind of conquered it a little bit. That was a very tough Keith Rocco to beat and Ronnie Williams as well. Yeah, and he took care of it. quite the show. So Mike Christopher Jr. took care of that in the open mod race. Uh, Pro 4. Doug Mazervi Jr. won the main race. Now, Phil, did you know that there was two different classes in the Pro Force? Yes, I do. Yeah. All right. Yeah, what there's, is? Yeah, there's like a spec motor class and a and an open motor class or something. Is it like a, a regular class and a limited class or something like that? Something like that. Yeah, it's limited. So, who won the limited race? It's like Pro Four uh, modified diet light or something. <laughs> great, same great taste, less filling. They run yeah, them at the, the same time. The winner of the limiteds would be my uh, my good friend Cody Rose in his uh, second career start in a big car ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> Don't get used to it. It's not that easy all the time, kid. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. He He's in been impressively quick so far can we be fair and just say that he's got great support system in that car with his old man well yeah with lesser as jr setting the car up building the car building the motors uh less is a former pro four champion won many many races across all the tracks over the years he's won pro stock titles at seaconk and he's won like almost 50 races at seaconk didn't he uh, I don't know what the exact count is, but he's won a bunch. He's but, on the uh, wall. Les knows his shit. Mm. Yeah, he's he's a and hell of a driver. Cody has a lot of experience with motocross stuff, so he has kind of a general idea of racecraft and whatnot. Well, but the main thing is you lack fear. Motocross, you typically lack fear. So <laughs> yeah, and he was definitely not afraid to send that thing ten men deep into turn one at Thompson and. Uh, this after they just had to turn around after blowing a motor uh, last week. Yeah, didn't so they, they? They lost a rod bearing or something. Yeah, they, well, they had a rod bolt come apart oh, and, and it wiped out a piston, wiped Ugh. out the block. Ouch. I mean, it was a mess, and uh, they didn't get the motor back. I don't think until Thursday. So they thrash. thrashed to get the car back together and get it all set up and ready for the race and. They were fast right off the trailer. I was I was watching all weekend. I had a group chat going with uh, with Les and Cody, and it was it was fun. He was like a kid in a candy store. It was fun to see some of the texts coming apart, coming across. I'm really happy for him. He's a good kid. Well, once he figures out the limited car, I'm sure he'll put together a big motor and go run the regular show, or they'll move on to something else. I don't know. Hey, give him some I experience. Think the plan is to throw him in the tour mod uh, eventually, and it may happen sooner rather than later, I think. Why, Les, Les getting a, old? Les is a great driver, <laughs> uh, but I think I think Cody, uh, I think think Cody, Cody's already ready to move into that thing for himself. <laughs> uh, give him some time. Give him a little time. He needs seat time. Even oh, if you Even but... if you think you're ready, you're not ready. So anyway... Moving on to Sunday, I think, we move into Isma Super Modifieds. John McKennedy picked up that win. Uh, I, th- I saw Chris Purley back. I didn't think he raced anymore. 
But yeah, that was kind of cool to see. He's yeah. got he's got those Thompson notes. He was flying. He had like a 16 second lap, 16 one. Those cars are so is, fast. I love them. That's fast for half mile. Never mind. Yeah, right. Quarter, you know, God <laughs> Almighty. Jeez, I think the SKs at Stafford run 19s. Yeah, or 18, the high 18, something like that. But you're running Thompson. You're doing 16 seconds. The holy crap, that's fast. <laughs> that is just. Uh, I mean, it's just automatic, man. It's automatic. It's, I think even the tour mods qualify at low 18s or high 17s there. So an entire second and a half, almost two seconds. Some you just get it, get it, and then just go as fast as you want to go. Get it, you know, just like get it, you know. <laughs> yeah, they they freaking, they do get it. Holy shit! So. Limited Sportsman ran Sunday, and I really wish that I'd kind of run that race, but there was no way I was going to be able to turn around my car You know car something? It was my first first time not racing at a World Series since 1999. Well, you raced 99, so yeah. that Yeah. It's 98, really. Yeah, first time you haven't really been or it, it, raced. It feels wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. It's really oh. weird. This this year's been weird anyway, so this year just doesn't count. Yeah, so forget it. Just delete this season. But Ryan Waterman picked up that win. He was leaking fuel all over the racetrack. No one could catch him. Is that what it was? Hey, am, yep. Am I the only one that thinks that race was extremely boring without the presence of Scott Sundin and Sean Monahan? Not. Uh, what about Jesse Gleason? What about or, me? Or Phil Jakes or Brent Gleason? <laughs> Oh, just, if I was in it, I just would have drove away from the field. You never would have seen it. Or you would have <laughs> crashed head on into something like usual. Like yes, that. there's that too. I didn't want to bring that <laughs> yeah. up, but thank you, Brent. You know, You're welcome. Just, you know, chop liver or something, you know? Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, so, pass. Jesse, you're usually really quiet and methodical about how you get to the front. Me? Scott and, oh, okay. Scott and Sean make a ruckus on their way. Oh. Yeah, they can do that. And it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to watch as a fan. I, I won't even lie. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> so we'll move on to the uh, pass tour. Hopefully we can get back there and race at some point. Um, pass tour. DJ, DJ Shaw, sorry, say that five times fast, picked up that win. I was surprised because I saw Eddie McDonald in the field and at the front early, and I figured if Eddie's out front, nobody gets by him, but that was not the case. Boring. <laughs> did, did you happen to notice Kelly Moore in the field as well? I, I saw did. that, and I'm like, wait a minute, Kelly or? <laughs> I thought he was dead. I thought it was Ryan at first, but then they, they, they said the name, and they showed it, and Race Monitor was that way, and on Speed 51 they called it that way, and I was like, I thought damn. Like, I thought Buckler just kind of had a flashback or something, but I guess <laughs> I was I wrong. Thought. Hey. SK Lights, John O'Sullivan went to Victory Lane again. I remember we talked about the O'Sullivan family, good people. Um, by the way, I need to send a little bit of a message out to um, Buddy Charette, who led that race until the very end. Buddy, don't take the top on the restart. By the it's way. A goal. Okay. I hope you learned. Don't let him get on the inside. You got to control your own destiny, even if it's from the bottom. That's the only way you can control your own destiny on a restart at Thompson. Anyway, now that I've given away trade secrets. Boy, you don't have the balls to pass me on the outside. That's enough for them. They all watch Days of Thunder and stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, SKs. Keith Rocco won there again. Uh, I think he went two for two at Thompson this year and two for two on the weekend. Uh, let's see. Now, NASCAR Whalen Modified Tour race was actually quite entertaining at the end. Unfortunately, Doug Kobe got taken out at the end, but it didn't really matter because enough cars had wrecked out of the race by that point that Justin Bonsignor was going to win the title anyway. So I think the last, like, 40, 50 laps was more of a coronation for him than anything else. But it was very entertaining between McKennedy and Lutz and Ronnie Silk for quite a while, at least the last 20 laps. And the late restart was really entertaining with uh, McKennedy and Lutz just beating the crap out of each other, trying to swap the lead back and forth. But uh, Craig Lutz came away with that win and uh, put an end to the abbreviated nine-race season. But let's be fair. If it was a full season, uh, Bonsignor might have been very, very difficult to beat regardless. So he had their stuff together. 
Now, Waterford did not race, and for good reason, because let's be fair, you were going up against Stafford on Friday for their Champions Night and Thompson all weekend long. Good move by the by the uh, Waterford crew to not run this weekend because nobody would have showed up. They all probably would have gone to the uh, World Series or they would have screwed the World Series. Who knows? But tracks working together is what we need, and they did the right thing, and they're going to extend their year out a couple weeks, which is really cool. So I appreciate that. All right, I think I am out of local notes except for uh, – could you classify Kyle Larson winning 40 and 41 races over the weekend as local notes? Or? Well, I, I, that's more of a national scene, but he does it He does it on a national scene locally. So That's fair. It's kind of both, right? It's kind of local tracks, right? Yeah. So. Local to who? Yeah, I guess so. Local to cows. Phil, you got any local Florida news? Uh, not really. I mean, I went up to Altex Speedway in Lake City. I uh, was helping my buddy Patrick Thomas with his pure stock. Uh, if anybody wants to see for... a cool, if anybody wants to see a, sorry to interrupt you, but if anybody wants to see a cool crash video, go see Phil on his Facebook page. He posted a nice <laughs> flip from that night, I think, right? Yeah, that, that poor guy, number 22 PR stock, was a brand new car. Oh. And he got, he got turned into the front stretch wall and got submarined and flipped like six or seven times down the front stretch and just obliterated the brand new car I, all the suspension was just destroyed everything was bent i looked at the car in the pits after the race and it was it was junk but thankfully he walked away he was fine um the track was rutted to shit after the race but it is what it is it's, that's dirt track racing i guess well a dirt track is just a track that's not finished so you're gonna get that type of stuff so <laughs> asphalt's for racing dirt's for farming Asphalt's for getting to the track. Dirt's for racing. Yeah. Tell your sister wife that, pal. Anyway. Yeah. Um. <laughs> we, had, we had a good time up there. We're just getting ready. There's a $10,000 to win pure stock race in a few weeks up there. And uh, um, just making a notebook. That's basically what we were doing. All right. So I'll go into old news that we probably had happen right after we released the podcast last week because that's the trend that we always we always release and then news comes out i think we should just wait and do this on wednesday when everything comes <laughs> anyway so there was a new team announced uh called track house and that's uh i remember talking something about justin marks and saying whoa does he have the money for a cup team and you know apparently he does because they started a new venture called track house they've hired daniel suarez to come over and drive and they will have a technical alliance with RCR. Uh, that's pretty much all the news that I got for that. I don't know where the assets are coming from or if they're getting equipment from buying another team out. They but... got it from Morgan Shepard's uh, park and start ride. <laughs> I don't know. Or they maybe picked up the park and start I thought it was Well, I thought it was a 13 car. that some this, Somebody has to somebody. have bought the assets from that team, so I don't yeah. know where it's going. Well, it's, got... that, that's an RCR-affiliated team, so I'm, I'm going to highly assume that it comes from the 13. Uh, Jermaine Racing, which was a an RCR team, so they probably just bought the entire team. Did they get a charter uh, and all? I didn't even see if they got a uh, charter. Did they even get one? I'm not sure. I think uh, I think Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan's team got the charter from the uh, the '95. I know, but track out. No, the the '95 charter went to uh, what the hell is that one called? The one Haley's uncle or something works at. Fire? Yeah, that one. Yeah, but I think I think now that Ross Chastain's driving the 42, Spire's only planning to run one car next year now. Okay. Um, maybe they sold the charter then. Maybe they turned around and made a million dollars off selling it. I don't know. That's kind of some some of the rumblings I've seen on Twitter, but I don't. Know they've also made. I mean, they've also made public. Spire has made public mention that they would be willing to buy and sell charters as long as it's uh, something to do with the market. If they can make profit off it, basically, they're like flipping charters. It's like, oh yeah, we didn't see this coming ever. Well, here's another one that just got dropped today. Um, the uh, College Racing maybe moving up to uh, Big League NASCAR in 2022. 
I'd heard something about that. Yeah. Yeah, with the with the next gen car. Yeah, I heard that today. That's that's pretty cool, and that's good for the the growth of the yeah, sport. You need too. some new blood, some new owners, and Matt, and man, they are they are impressive. Matt Colleague is definitely the owner that NASCAR needs, though. Yeah, and his drivers and crew guys love him. Yeah, you know? he's passionate about it, and he only gives a damn about wins, and that's it's. He, we definitely need more people like that. But you know what? This next gen car hasn't even come out yet and it's merely the idea of it that's already bringing new owners to the cup series so hey if right. it if it works let's go with it you know we need people back so my only question is what what does matt Collick do for work what's his company what you know what's his background i think he owns multiple different companies i he, think he's got a hand in a bunch of different he, stuff he diversifies his portfolio yeah after the jeff karpoff thing with uh uh, DC Solar. I'm just leery sometimes, I guess, about you know what's going to happen with these guys. Well, the like the MB2 Carpoff was around for a few years before anybody found out his true colors. Yeah, but here's the thing. I like I said, I don't think it's a giant Ponzi scheme because I think that it's because he owns a lot of different ventures. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, they do bring in outside sponsorship as well. So, I mean, I don't think it's a complete. Um, you know, farce yet. You, you, I don't. I don't. I don't get that vibe yet. It's so. starting, yeah, uh, because you don't know if it's going to be like you remember Gin Racing, the MB Two Motorsports. Oh yeah, didn't Slapped already do a uh, video on them? Yes, he did. Yes. Yeah. So you never know. And I mean, guys like that and JD Stacy, they've been around forever. You know, I, yeah. I, I hope it's nothing like that because I mean, no. Chris Rice and, and colleague and that whole group over there, they've got. A really, really good thing going on. Every one of those cars is competitive. Well, they're they're in it to win it every single week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like they're out there to suck and try to make money off starting parks or nothing weird. But I mean, they're they're seeing success and they're seeing a lot of success, especially with good racers and good equipment. And I think that they're generating their own sponsorship leads and they're generating their own business model based off of the success that they are actually attaining. So I think that it's actually a venture that's kind of running itself at this point. So hopefully right. hopefully that's what it is and that it's not something weird again. Well, so. and it's nice to see a new team come in in the past five or six years or whatever and be successful, not just be a start and park shit show. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. I, like seeing, I like seeing progress. I like seeing yeah. competition. So more news. Uh, Clint Boyer announced his retirement at the end of the year, which I actually, I kind of speculated that he was going to do that. Uh, I was just kind of getting that vibe. He's going to go to the booth and become the next DW probably. Which he's, Briscoe to the 14. Yeah, we're going to, you know what, we're saying Briscoe is going to go to the 14. I mean, you don't win eight races in Xfinity in one year in that organization and not get something out of it let's be fair um i think you know what if we're gonna put scuttlebutt out there you know we earlier had mentioned that priest might be going to the 98 in xfinity like earlier in the year and it's like everything that's been happening lately has been like it's been like kind of taking a step in that direction and then one more step and then one more step and it's like it's just like the puzzle pieces are kind of falling together for our kind of theory or, or scuttlebutt that we've been hearing all along. Well, and you heard something uh, this week, too, that Priest will, quote-unquote, be racing a lot in 2021. Yeah, that's what I'd heard from somebody who helps to run Ryan's social media. Um, he made a cryptic remark about, well, I wouldn't say cryptic, but it is kind of like, is, it, is that the right word, cryptic? That he says, well, don't worry, because Ryan's going to be doing a lot of racing in 2021. So that kind of gives me the idea that he's going to run that 98 car, but he's also going to run the 32 car, which is an SHR Alliance car in the Cup Series, because that seat's becoming vacant at the end of the year. And I think he's just kind of sliding into the rotation of Stuart Haas. And because he's within that five-year experience limit, can't he run both schedules? Full-time? He, he can run both schedules full-time, playoffs included. And This is something I've heard for a couple months now, and I don't know if there's any actual truth to it, but if it keeps leading in this direction, I'm going to start wondering. I've heard that Kevin Harvick has kind of picked him because he and uh, Priest are pretty good friends, 
Uh, but Kevin Harvick has supposedly picked him to replace him in the four car already. Which would be good for him. I want to see him in Xfinity, though, to be fair. I really want to see him really start to develop his worth because he's already showed it in Joe Gibbs' equipment. He was very good in that stuff in the Xfinity series. That's well, where he. God, look what he did yesterday. What was that? Oh, yeah. I you... said, English, what he did yesterday. do you speak it? <laughs> yeah, I mean. He led how many laps of that race at the Roval? I mean, we'll get into the end of that race later, but, yeah, while we're on topic. He led 7%. Yeah, he led a lot of that race, and that was an honest lead, too, because he was hovering around the top 10 all day, had some pit strategy or a good stop or whatever, and managed to get the lead, and nobody could get by him until they moved him out of the way because, let's be fair, it's not the greatest equipment. But he did the best he damn well could, and every single time Ryan is on a road course, he does really well. Like when he ran the full season in those red cars in Xfinity, what the fuck's their name? Johnny Davis. When he ran the full season in that car, I watched him at road races, and he was very good. I I remember back, too, to a a race in the Johnny Davis equipment where it was raining, and I don't remember if it was mid-Ohio. I think it was mid-Ohio. Was it mid-Ohio where it was raining? And he's running inside the top three or four cars in shit equipment. Oh, that's, I mean, yeah, that's a great a equalizer, guy, but... really, is the, is the rain. That's why I was kind of happy to see the rain, especially our priests, because you're going to need somebody with some talent, some car control, and that's what rises to cool the top. Yeah. yeah, the presence of mind to calm down and slow your roll to go faster. Yeah. And he, yeah. he shined in those areas. He, he so... showed his true skill yesterday, and I think it opened a lot of eyes. Twitter was... Twitter was kind of going crazy over it, going, oh, my God, this kid can drive. That's what I'm saying. If the blue check mark's happy, he'll, oh, doors will open for him. Yeah, I think he ended up with a – did he finish 14th in that race? I mean, they did have a pit stop like that. after that, and his pit stop – I stops. think he finished 18th is what it was. I think he got shuffled. No, I'm pretty sure right it was – four- I'm fairly certain it was inside the top five. Yeah, it was 14th. So he got a top 15 out of it. But – Again, we'll finish up that race later. Um, we also got to finish one more uh, note from Silly Season because it is prime Silly Season. Um, Matt De Benedetto signed a one-year deal to remain in the 21 car and cup, which is awesome. I'm I'm happy for the guy. I'm very happy for him and his wife who have been through a very stressful situation. And he's really he's really proved his worth over the last few weeks and especially this whole year. Let's be fair. He got in the playoffs, you know, and Austin Sindrick was, is, well, is slated to be in that ride in 2022 because he signed an extension with Penske as well, but that's going to put him in the cup car in not next year, but the year after. Yeah, that's so, great and all, but you know what sucks for that is that he's now got another year of uh, basically trying out and and uh, trying to keep his or trying to find a job. It's like, well, yeah, he's got a job for now, but he's like delayed his unemployment. Well, here's for, the th- <laughs> for a year. Here's the thing. Let me play. Go ahead, Phil. Oh, I was gonna say, let me play weird conspiracy theorist here. Uh, Brad Kozlowski only re-upped for one year. We have no idea what Brad's doing, so maybe Penske likes him enough that he's like, all right, we'll stick him in the two-car. Well, he's a fan favorite. You never know what his performance is like next year. Yeah, he's a fan favorite, and uh, that's a big... That's he sells a, big, a lot of merchandise, that's for sure. That's a big, big... that That's a big X factor to uh, take into account. Yeah, I agree as well. So, yeah, there's a weird conspiracy for you. So... Why don't we just finish up the results of the Roval at Charlotte races? They had the Xfinity and the Cup Series races. Now, Xfinity ran on Saturday. AJ Allmendinger showed his worth as a road course racer because they ran in literally a hurricane. This was an absolutely <laughs> absurd race to watch, yeah. and I loved every second of it. It was racing in its purest form. I still haven't had a chance. Oh, it was racing in its purest form. They really had to. Be on the edge of limit, uh, the limits of uh, grip and everything within the tires. And there was the, and the so horse. much. I mean, the '98 spun out in the lead, and he hit a a, a lake, a standing lake. It he wasn't did. a puddle. It it almost broke the nose off the car. He hit it so hard. 
And he spun out because of it. That's what these ended up guys, giving the race to Almendinger. These guys were literally going around the racetrack in the pouring rain. I mean, their windshield wipers are falling off and it's shorting out and every absolute shit show. They're going into corners with standing water and they're hitting it and they're pushing the water out of their way with their splitter. It's just like water everywhere. It's hilarious. These are the most sophisticated stock cars in the world. They can't make a windshield wiper last past <laughs> 10 laps. Oh, that was hilarious. That's hilarious. It's all inside out and stuff. You know, it's just crazy. So for the cup race, and Phil, if you haven't watched it, I have it on my YouTube TV DVR. Feel free to go watch that. Um. <laughs> we we don't share DVRs, unfortunately. I had to re- resave everything so I can. Oh, watch it. really? Yes. That's lame, lame. Anyway, um, maybe you can find the full race somewhere. I don't know. Um, I, I I recorded it. Oh, okay, good. Uh, so for the cup race, no surprise really here. Chase Elliott won. I believe that's what his third or fourth road course win in a row. Fourth uh, in a row. Fourth in a row. Yeah, Ryan Priest led a bunch of laps. He finished P14. We mentioned that before. I believe that uh, uh, Chase Elliott is the, both the youngest and oldest winner of the Charlotte Roval. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're correct. Yeah, because they've only ran it twice, <laughs> twice and twice he's won both of them. Yep. Wow. Well, there you what, go. Buddy, but, Raji, what do you oh. think? Ryan Blaney won the first one. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Ryan Blaney did win the first one. When, when Truex and Jimmy Johnson stepped on their dicks. I forgot there's three of those so far. Yeah. For the last bit of news, I pulled up this that came from Adam Stern, who's one of my least... Well, I don't know. He's all right, I guess. Bullshit, but, I can't hear you! Okay, forget it. I'm completely indifferent. Um, the, the word came that NASCAR and Barstool Sports paused their relationship amid a... COVID forced adjustment. I am making the rant. A, retu- a return to the rant, let's say. And I know we're already an hour in, and I guarantee everybody's going to turn off now. So, like, oh, good, the rant. I can believe now. I've already heard everything I want. I love the rant. Go. Okay, here is my rant for this week. Quality fucking time, sweetheart. I'm not doing it over music, though, because you can't hear me. So. <laughs> Now the rant. Okay, good. I know that the NASCAR leadership has a lot of business sense, but what they're doing with the Barstool Sports thing is exactly what's wrong with society. They are pandering to people who don't matter to them. They're listening to people who don't consume their product. As always. Yes. Allow me to explain. It was announced this week that NASCAR and Barstool Sports have, quote, paused their relationship for, quote, a COVID-forced adjustment on marketing and due to sensitivities around social justice protests this summer. This sounds already like a cop-out to me. Okay, so listen. Now, wait a second. We all know Barstool has a history as a brash, outrageous, and outspoken company, and there's typically two opinions people hold about them. You either love or hate them, and I know that's you know kind of a cliche, but bear with me. People who have been protesting the idea that NASCAR has had a relationship with Barstool are typically the kind of people who are overly sensitive about everything and have an inane need to be on the moral front. They don't actually know what Barstool is. They just know what their friends say on Facebook that it's sexist or racist blogging site. While this is a commonly held leftist belief among the ignorant about topics they know little about, Barstool is not a news site. Well, they're not a children's site either. They do a lot of sportsbook betting, sports-related media content, podcasts of various different genres. No, they don't do ours. This is unbiased. And other internet-based media, including numerous blogs about basically any topic. I don't understand the idea that people call a company sexist considering they have a female CEO and two of the most popular female and women's issue based podcasts available. And as for the racist thing, I haven't found anything of merit to support that. So it's obviously just a red herring placed by people who want to hate it and can't find any real reason to do so. My main problem with this whole mindset and ideology is why do people, especially NASCAR give in to the demands of people like this? Why is it now acceptable to allow people to complain and whine and then just give them what they want? Now, 
Any good parent out there will tell you that it doesn't matter how much their kid whines. If you tell them no, that means no. If you simply gave your kid everything they wanted when they whine about it, then you'd end up raising a really shitty, entitled human being. Does this sound familiar? Well, that's what the upper echelon of NASCAR and other major sports companies and parts of, even parts of the government, let's be fair, have done. They caved into whining. Again, I understand that people don't like barstool sports for whatever reason they conjure up in their feeble little minds, but just because they have their whiny little opinion doesn't mean they should get their way. What NASCAR, and frankly the rest of the world needs, is strong leadership who will be the parent that the rest of society needs, and stop caving to the most petty of complaints. Society needs to be rebuilt based on resilience instead of entitlement, and someone who will tell these spoiled little children who infect our communities, tough shit, it's our business, and if you don't like it, then take a walk. NASCAR used to have leadership like this, and that is when they grew the most. Brash, opinionated, cigarette-smoking, whiskey-drinking, no-bullshit hard men who didn't care what people were complaining about or what some nobody's opinion was. They had a vision for the sport, and they followed that instead of listening to people who don't even follow the sport or watch it to begin with. They didn't have the time to listen to those who want nothing more than to be as loud as possible for attention so they can puff their woke little chest out and proclaim, Look at me! I'm the beacon of change and progress, when in reality they've done nothing to add to society, only take things away. I know it sounds like I'm being overly dramatic about a pause in a corporate relationship, but when you publicly state the fact that you're doing it for the sake of sensitivity towards social justice protests, I'm going to call you soft. It was a soft move by NASCAR, and when you set the precedent of being soft on issues of public opinion, it panders to those who made the complaints to begin with. You've opened the door to allow the mob to push you around on anything they don't like from now on. And I'm sick of other people telling me I'm wrong for having certain opinions or not saying what they like to hear. So when NASCAR or some other business or some part of the government caters to the woke culture, now you've become their bitch. Soft move, NASCAR. I can't wait for the day when you're forced by the mob to have quotas for drivers of different races, creeds, genders, etc. Instead have. of simply seeking out the best talent available or whatever else the entitled want you to do. So there's my rant for this week. Again, you done? I am done, done, actually. Yes, I am. Um, you do... There's a reason. There's a reason why I keep the rant very, very uh, yeah, I'm sparse. Not, I'm not going. To, <laughs> I, I don't justify it, but um, NASCAR is at the mercy of the corporate world, and the corporate world has to have that anything goes kind of attitude, where if you if you don't uh, if you don't play by the least common denominator, then you are pretty much going to be ostracized and eradicated by the rest of the rest of the world so they have to play ball basically um with the with the cancel culture the cancel culture is real and and it's sad is what and it's it is. It, it's sad but there's no way you that nascar can stand up against it well they used to unfortunately it, it, it they they really need the corporate sponsors and as an you know, oligarchy that this country is it's not a democracy it's not a republic it's an oligarchy we are based on on whatever Wall Street says, or we're under the tyranny of the losers that uh, follow these strict guidelines. You remember when NASCAR so. could do exactly like I said? Because they had a cigarette sponsor, and they didn't give a shit. Well, that's, that's true. That's what but, I miss about NASCAR. But guess what? The, the cigarette companies are no longer allowed to advertise with them. The, yeah, because the government stuck their nose in someone else's business. It's not politically correct, my brother. Yeah, well, you might as well just give Unfortunately, me this is the future that we live in, and it is the future that uh, is just going to get worse as long as uh, we don't get organized and stand up against it. Right. Phil, do you have anything to add about that um, rant that will change nothing? No, not really. Son of a bitch! pretty much hit it all. <laughs> all right, Roger, so. do you have something to add, Roger? Go ahead, Bob. Go ahead. Give it, your, the floor is yours. I'm going to let a 
Yeah, go ahead. You're, you're on in, the air. You're in now. Okay. What's up? So. And that's our show for this week. You can find us on Instagram. That's <laughs> Making Laps Pod. Roger, where can you find Hello? us? Hello? Hello? <laughs> this is falling off the wheels really quick. All right. Was so it you, ever on the wheels? I think we were doing pretty good until we tried to finish. <laughs> no. You can so, find us on Instagram at Making Laps Podcast, Facebook at facebook.com slash Making Laps Podcast. You can find us on all major podcast platforms. You can find me at Brent Gleason01 on Instagram and Twitter. What about Spotify? It's That's a major games. podcast platform. Yeah, guess what? Yeah, you can find my boy on every Mario game. Not Angry Birds this week. Mario games. Do we have a Twitter yet? Uh, Mario on Twitter. (laughs) And, um, yep. And, you know, and Spotify, guess what? If we're not under oligarchy, guess what? They bought the Joe Rogan podcast for millions upon millions upon millions of dollars and then go oh wait a minute we have a few guests that we don't like and since you're under contract we get to take that content and do whatever and say whatever we are or else you know whatever we want or else you're not going to get your money so yeah that was yeah dumb they deleted a lot of joe rogan's old podcast too yeah i'm wondering why his stuff doesn't come out as much as it used to and it's, yeah that's why they, so- they shut him up he was way too powerful yeah yeah he was big yeah he was huge. rogan had the power to change the world huge so you can find phil at p jakes racing p j a c q u e s racing on facebook instagram twitter jesse doesn't want to be found because you can he's find me in the bunker uh with <laughs> hugging my, all my ammunition and guns and raji how do you end this podcast uh, come over here and say it in the microphone okay. how do you end this thing Upside down and stay on the fence. Thanks for listening. Perfect. All right, until next week, we'll catch you later. Thanks for listening. Bip! <laughs> Kill it!